Hello and welcome to another episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Today I'm coming to you again with another shorter episode. Uh, just kind of coming in with a mobile episode while I'm out and about. And uh, I wanted to talk today about uh, a new piece of gear that I picked up. I guess I'll do this every once in a while. I'll just kind of review it or chat about it. Um, but, uh, and I, but, you know, another part of this podcast too is like, uh, it's not, this is not the whole product podcast piece me recording audio and stuff the other part the part i'm trying to do is the photography side of it um and then this is kind of an augmentation of that it's sort of in addition it's to explain that it's to try and tell the story of that i'm trying to get more used to that idea of uh talking about photography talking about storytelling why it's worth doing attainable adventure that whole thing i think is important to kind of describe and discuss and um doing a uh, super simple and basic little podcast about it I think seems like a good way to do it. So today I was going to chat about a, uh, a piece of gear that I picked up recently for the camera. And it seems to be uh, working pretty well to change how I'm, I guess, putting things together or, you know, working on a few things. But uh, I, so I shoot with a Nikon F4 and uh, the Nikon F4 is a pretty old by well, really, by I guess most standards, is manufactured in 1988, and I think it was the first Nikon autofocus camera or autofocus DSLR camera uh, that uh, the Nikon had produced. Um, maybe it was the first uh, full professional version that had autofocus as part of it. Um, there might have been something before then that, that had it, but I know that the F3, the predecessor to the F4, did not have anything like it. Um, so it was a camera that I picked up uh, back back in September of 2014, or excuse me, December of 2014, kind of at the beginning of the year. I didn't really start using it until January. Um, and uh, so I've been doing film camera, the Nikon F4, with a uh, Pacific Imaging Prime Film 7200, which is a, uh, a film scanner. And I probably talked about the film scanner before. Probably the only thing I do talk about is that I scan my film um, and then I edit it in Lightroom and then put it out for people to see. I think that has kind of a different look to it. I think kind of finding a process or like a work, I don't want to say workflow. That sounds too millennial, new agey, Silicon Valley. But, uh, but just finding like a way to go through that's sort of unique, an artisan to go through and make what you're up to. It's kind of a good way to go about um, finding a new creative style or you know, a new creative approach to the way that you're going to put things together. And I think it's kind of important for creative people to go through that and kind of be creative in the way that they're putting the process together. I think that has an effect or, uh, or you know, just it, it, an influence on the outcome of what you're trying to do. So that's why I think it's, uh, I don't know, it's worth doing this sort of stuff. But uh, since I shoot film, uh, there's a few different options that you have that you don't really exist in the way that we see things a lot of time in the digital world now. And so the, uh, the new thing that I picked up was a viewfinder. And in the past, in film cameras, viewfinders are a lot easier to work with. And I think cameras were built a little bit more modularly, um, especially in the medium format area. It was built a little bit more modularly so a few things could kind of come and go on it. And that's a cool factor, a cool piece about the Nikon F4 is I can remove, and this is where I'm getting to the grit of this podcast, um, I can remove the eyepiece, the viewfinder, from uh, from that camera, from the Nikon F4, um, and I can replace it with a top-down viewfinder, which is a lot more similar to what you'd see. Imagine like a, 
Imagine like a roll of flex or a brownie or some other kind of medium format camera from the 50s, 60s that has that uh, kind of square body look to it. And then you look down from the top down and you see kind of this prismed mirror. You look down, see this flat piece of, ga- piece of glass with the image that you'd be taking. And it's down through that, there's a prism that shoots out the lens. And that's sort of um, the way that you can see the picture. You can see what you're going to take and see what you're going to frame. And uh, almost, well, no cameras nowadays have a live viewfinder, a live top-down viewfinder like this. But we are seeing resurgence of this um, with, uh, with mirrorless cameras. So like when we're talking about the uh, Sony a7S or the Fuji X-T-I, a lot of those have, um, they don't have an optical viewfinder. When you look into the viewfinder, the screen, even though it is a viewfinder, you're looking at a screen, an LCD screen in there that's representing pixels to you of the image that you'll be taking, but it's not actually light passing through glass and then being kind of refined and then seen by your eye. Um, it's, it's just another screen that you're, you're looking at. Early on, uh, there were some issues with the refresh rate of the screen and how it kind of lagged just enough that uh, it would be a deficit to shoot with something like that if you were trying to be a professional, trying to shoot sports stuff uh, and make sure everything was you know really tight. Or maybe it'd just be a factor... And this is another thing where technology sort of produces something that sounds important, but it doesn't really end up solving any problems that we had before. Um, so I kind of avoid the, the digital side of live viewfinders because I find that they, and this will be a temporary problem, but they affect the speed of the autofocus, they affect the speed uh, or the shutter, sp- or not the shutter speed, but the amount of frames I'm able to take per second. I really find in almost every camera that I've worked with specifically well, on the Nikon and then on the Canon side and then with other cameras that I've worked with in their settings. I know anybody out there could tell me there are settings where this wouldn't work and there are these other pieces you can add to a, or accessories you can add to a DSLR to make it a killer video rig. But I'm outside of that. I'm just talking about what you can do with it and I'm talking about just taking photographs with it um, and using that live viewfinder piece. And so what's cool is... Uh, on the Nikon F4, this old school one, what you can do is take that viewfinder off. So there's a lot of these screen viewfinders we have on all the DSLRs. To get something like that on a film camera, you have to get another viewfinder, which is what I bought. So I picked up a thing called a Nikon DW21 viewfinder for the Nikon F4. A lot of nonsense in that last sentence, but the whole idea, like I've been talking about, is a top-down viewfinder for the Nikon F4. So you hit a little switch on the top of the camera, you slide out the old or the, you know, the regular viewfinder piece, and then what you see when you slide that out is just an exposed plate of glass that's there, and it's see-through, and it's kind of picking up the prismed um, light from the lens that's coming in and putting that up onto that piece of glass so you can see really just the picture. You can just kind of look down at that piece. Um, you can see your autofocus point. You can see out through the front of the lens. And you, can, you get a real solid one-inch representation of what the photograph is going to look like. And I think that there's a better representation of how your depth of field is going to be expressed uh, in that photograph or how... Hmm, I guess like how just how the framing of that image is going to come together. The confusing thing about working with the top-down viewfinder is that it's mirrored. Everything, if you move left in the camera, you move right. If you move up in the camera, you move down. And so it's uh, pretty disorienting to try and look through that and then reframe or recompose an image the way that you might be used to. 
Um, so part of that is I think what's, uh, feels a little bit looser right now. The other part of it is when you put that viewfinder down, um, and this is an old camera, right? This is from 1988. It was a year I was born. Wow. It's going to be like 27 years old soon. Um, so when you're looking down into the camera, the top down viewfinder, um, you should be able to see, uh, these, well, metering information, light metering information coming from, uh, from the camera or spot metering information from the camera. Uh, but the LCD pieces on this viewfinder have been burned out. And that's kind of a strange thing. I guess we don't really interact with technology that old a lot of the time, but, um, LCDs are these like what was a liquid liquid crystal displays that were developed back in the 80s had a sort of uh, shelf life. I think it was part of the technology at the time because they were so new. These LCDs would work for a few years, but then they would sort of get a burn on them as uh, as they were used for a long period of time. And so the the process of actually using the liquid crystal display would burn the liquid crystal display out. And so it only had a, a, a finite number of hours of operation before, or maybe there's more to it. I think it was like LCD bleeding is what I'd heard about, where the crystals uh, and the layer that would separate the crystals would kind of bleed through, and then you'd get these um, larger kind of black crystals or kind of displayed pieces sort of showing up. Kind of like, it would almost look like ice or like frost forming uh like if you were to like kind of watch water freeze on a surface, you know. Um, so you get these kind of crystal formations in this LCD and then it would block out effectively anything that that LCD would be able to show you in that information or whatever signal was being sent to the LCD to represent some information on it, you couldn't really see it. Um, so there's no metering with this top-down viewfinder. So you're kind of shooting in automatic or program mode um, or you're shooting in like aperture priority, which is what I often do. Uh, or you can shoot, you know, I guess in... Uh, and like shutter priority mode, that'd be pretty effective too. But you're kind of stuck without, uh, unless you have a good light meter, which I guess I could put on my phone. I, I haven't really tried that too much, but uh, but yeah, you're kind of stuck from uh, from shooting in only manual mode in that, uh, which is okay with me. But yeah, the Nikon DW20, super fun. Threw it on the Nikon F4. I've been shooting around with it for the last few days, and uh, it definitely adds a an extra, I don't know, bit of interesting piece to uh to kind of frame up photograph stuff i think it's going to work really well on the tripod shooting like landscape stuff i know i just got through saying that i can't shoot manual i know i just got finished saying that it's difficult to meter i'm a little bit frustrated with that too i guess like i mentioned i'm gonna have to use some light metering stuff uh, or i'm going to be shooting in shutter or aperture priority to try and get around that but i think it's going to work really well to set up uh set up stationary shots on a tripod with the top down viewfinder have it be totally still and then kind of be able to compose and frame up and sort of get a perspective of how that's going to look on an actual piece of medium or piece of paper or as a photograph that's like a three by five or hopefully something that's a 30 by 50, you know, I can get a better uh, perspective of what that'll look like. So thanks again for listening to another episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. There'll be a few more of these coming out over the week. Thanks again for checking it out.